continue on this thought of having a healthy church. We've pointed out how that does not necessarily mean a big church. It does not necessarily mean a wealthy church, but a healthy church. We've looked at a few things that are characteristics of a church that's of health. We're looking at the church at Ephesus, Philippi, and Thessalonica, three of the uh, would be the most healthy churches in the New Testament. And we've seen how that a healthy church loves sinners, a healthy church loses selfish attitudes, and a healthy church loves the Scriptures. I thank God for that. I want us to look tonight at some verses here in Ephesians chapter number 5. And uh, I'm going to read verses 14 down through about 20. Now from here on, the rest of these messages, I've already got them laid out. The rest of these are a little more contentious, a little more controversial. Probably about everybody would agree that a healthy church loves sinners. That's, that's a no-brainer. Everybody would agree that a healthy church, you should lose your selfish attitudes. And most people would agree that a healthy church loves the Scriptures. Now, there might be an argument about which Scriptures to love. Uh, but they would agree that the healthy church ought to love the Bible. And, of course, we only know there's one. Amen. The rest of these, as we dive into them, have a little more controversy attached with them. I, I don't think they'll be controversial here, but I'm talking about in the church world at large. Uh, a little more controversy, particularly the subject that we're going to deal with tonight. There's probably more misapplied doctrine in this one area than maybe in any other area of doctrine in the Bible. Uh, the Bible said in Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse 14, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart, to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we ask, Lord, that you'd touch us tonight. Lord, we need your help in the service. I want to handle this subject just right. And Lord, I, want to, I just ask that you'd speak to hearts. And God, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to, to be a healthy church, Lord, and to have a, a healthy opinion of these things. And we'll do that, as only, uh, you do that as only you can, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about being filled with the Spirit. Let me say it to you this way. A healthy church lives by the Spirit. I want us to talk a little bit tonight about what the atmosphere of a healthy church is. If you ask a uh, uh, hundred different Christians what it means to live uh, in the Spirit or to uh, have a life where you're anointed with the Spirit of God or where you're filled with the Spirit of God, you'd probably get almost a hundred different answers. 
I began to think about it today, Brother Allen, and if you ask the Pentecostal what it was to be filled with the Spirit, he would say that it was speaking some sort of gibberish or handling a snake or uh, something like that. If you were to ask the modern charismatic what being filled with the Spirit was all about, they'd say that it was to sway back and forth, palms turned toward heaven in a darkened auditorium with a guitar riff playing, praise music going. They'd say that's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And even if you were to ask some of our independent brethren what it meant to be filled with the Spirit, they'd say things maybe like, Waving, taking a lamp around the sanctuary, waving a handkerchief, uh, crying or shouting. And you know, uh, crying and shouting and waving a handkerchief and taking a lap is fine in its place. But that in itself is not really what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God. And a lot of times what we end up with is we have an absence. There's a power vacuum in the church because we have an absence of God's Spirit. And so we try to make up for it. We try to manufacture some sort of a spirit. Uh, You've all seen it. Everybody in here has seen it. Some preacher or some singer will stand up and cry a bunch of crocodile tears and tell a bunch of stories and pump and prime and try to get things going, try to get things off the ground. And it's a manufactured spirit. I believe, and I've made this statement a lot, I believe a big reason why a lot of these uh, movements, these charismatic movements have went to these rock concert kind of fields uh, is because they're so obviously lacking the Spirit of God. If they were to have their churches in an auditorium like this, everybody would say that's the deadest mess we've ever been around. But you see they lower the lights and, and get the strokes going and the fog machines roll out the fog and the guitar riffs just right and the praise and worship team gets up and it excites the flesh. It stirs you up no different than it would if you were at a Hank Williams Jr. concert and you get to feeling like, boy, we've really worshiped God. And what it is is it's a manufactured spirit. There's an absence of the Spirit of God. And so in order to make church excited, they manufacture this kind of spirit. I was studying today and I got to thinking about 1 Samuel 13. In 1 Samuel chapter number 13, Saul is surrounded by the Philistines. And uh, he's been there at Gilgal and he's waiting for Samuel to come and offer a sacrifice. And he waits about a week and Samuel doesn't show up and so Saul goes and offers the sacrifice himself and then Samuel shows up and asks Saul what he did and here's what Saul said. Saul said in verse, uh, uh, or Saul said there in those verses, he said, therefore said I, the Philistines will come down now upon Gilgal and I've not made supplication unto the Lord. Here's what he said. He said, I forced myself therefore and offered a burnt offering. Saul said, I didn't have the real thing. And so what I did was I forced it. Can I say to you tonight, when it comes to spiritual matters, there's some things that can't be forced. You can't force them. Saul said, I forced myself to do that because of the current situation. I'm going to tell you across America tonight, there's no shortage of preachers that have built a ministry on forcing things. I mean, they've got a great personality. 
and they've got a personality that's able to really move people. And so they get up and through the power of their personality and through their persuasion and the manner in which they preach and the style in which they represent things that they're able to move people emotionally and what they're doing is they're forcing it. And I'm going to tell you, we don't need that at the Concord Baptist Church. What we need is for the good God of heaven to send the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit to move in power and in reality. And when he does, the Bible clearly states some things here that will happen when those things. Now, I think it's interesting. The number one thing that the Pentecostal movement, and they somehow, oh, it's almost like they've cornered the market on talking about the Holy Ghost. But the, the one thing that the Pentecostals would point toward is the speaking in tongues. And yet, there's five things that uh, Paul lays out here about being filled with the Spirit, and he says nothing about speaking in tongues. The charismatic movement, they point toward this movement toward the world, making the church feel more worldly, but that's not according to the Spirit of God. As a matter of fact, we'll see here in just a moment that it is expressly forbidden by the Spirit of God, so that can't be it. I'm going to show you five things tonight that accompany being filled with the Holy Ghost Spirit of God. Now, before I do, let me say this. You'll not have churches, you'll not have a church service full of the Holy Spirit until you have people that are full of the Holy Spirit. We need people to get filled up with the Holy Spirit of God, and then we'll have church services filled up with the Holy Ghost Spirit of God. Let me give you five things real quickly, and I'll not keep you long tonight. Number one, if you're filled with the Spirit of God, let me say this the world becomes suspect. Look what he said there in verse number 15. He said, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. I was thinking about it last night, about three o'clock in the morning, I woke up, needed to use the bathroom, got up out of the bed, didn't want to turn on any lights, it's pitch black dark in my house. You know how I walked to the bathroom? Circumspectly. Hey man, running my toes out, I didn't want to stunt. And there's nothing worse than stumping your big toe at 4 o'clock in the morning over something. So I, I'm running my toes out and feeling my way around. I'm walking circumspectly. I heard one man say it was like this. It's like a tomcat walking on top of a fence and bulldogs on both sides of the fence. That old tomcat, he walks circumspectly on top of that fence. In other words, he orders his steps. He makes sure with every time he puts his paw down that, that he's not going to stumble and that he's not going to fall. And Paul said that's the way that a Christian that's filled with the Spirit of God walks through this world. That the way of Christ is a straight and narrow way. And we're to walk circumspectly in this world. That everything about the world ought to be suspect unto us. I'm going to tell you we hadn't ought to fit in. We ought to be different. The Bible says, Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. The Bible tells us that those that are born of the Spirit of God, they are a peculiar people. And I believe that when we get filled with the Spirit of God, it'll make us walk circumspectly in this world. You'll struggle to get along with the world and the things of the world. But suddenly everything will be suspect to you. That's being filled with the Spirit of God. You say, no, wait a minute, preacher. It's running a lap. It's shouting to the hairpins fall out. 
Now, you may run a lap and you may shout to the hairpins fall out, but you won't do it and be filled with the Spirit until you first walk circumspectly in the world. Paul said walking circumspectly. Now, I'm going to tell you this world is not our home. We've become far too accustomed to it. We live carnal lives and try and fit in and try to look like the world and act like the world instead of the church uh, uh, having the world move in their direction. The church has moved in the world's direction and that's not the will of God. If you're going to be filled with the Spirit of God, you've got to say goodbye world, goodbye and walk circumspectly. That is a evidence of being filled with the Spirit of God. So there is in this, the world is suspect. But then we see in verse number 16 that if we, if we are to live by the Spirit of God, our time is spent, not wasted. Look what the Bible said in verse number 16. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now, time's an interesting thing. You can't bank up time. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, time just keeps going by and going by and going by. You can't bank it up. If you don't properly use your time today, it doesn't roll over into tomorrow. And no matter how rich somebody might be, you can't buy any more time. I don't care if you got billions of dollars, you can't buy time. Time ticks for everybody. It ticks by for the poor person like it does the rich person, the healthy person like it does the sick person. Time just marches on. There's nothing you can do about it. And so Paul said, that you should wisely invest your time. He said, redeeming the time, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Can I say that when you're filled with the Spirit of God, you don't waste away your day in idleness. Someone who's filled with the Spirit of God, my friend, uh, you know, the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs that the idle man is called the sluggard. He's a man who spends his day reclined. His life has no purpose. He has no meaning. But you see, when you're filled with the Spirit of God, suddenly life has meaning and you have purpose and there's things you want to accomplish and things you want to do. And so you begin to invest each hour of the day and you begin to count that time and you realize that time is a gift and it's quickly going by and you're never going to get it back. We spend day after day. But you know what? We'll never get the day back. We'll never get it back. I got up this morning and fed the dogs and did all my morning things. And I got to looking at my day. It's this late out day ahead of me. I need to get ready for tonight. And so I sat down and got in the Bible and started getting ready for tonight. I had to have my Lord to vet at 11 o'clock and you know I had all these things and we'll run out my hospital and see Miss Wilma and then before you know it you turn around about twice and you think where did the day go here it is another Wednesday night we're back in the house of God we'll turn around about twice it'll be Sunday morning time just keeps going by and going by and going by And it goes by fast for everyone. It's just you don't pay attention to it when you're small. But when you get older and you're looking at, you know, the days are ticking away, suddenly time starts to mean more to you. And you're like, whoa, where's life gone? What happened to life? Seems like just yesterday I was thinking we came and graduating. It seemed like just yesterday I was graduating. And here I am now 
with kids who have graduated and one left to graduate and it won't be long and she'll be graduated. Where did time go? It just kept on going and kept on going. I have a certain amount of time left. Have you ever thought about that? There's a bank of time that you've got left. You don't know how much it is. I don't know how much it is. But I want, I want, to think, I want you to think about this tonight. If we came to you and said you've got six months to live, what would you pay for six more months? You see, time's pretty valuable, isn't it? You'd invest it all. Give me six more months. Uh, we, and I know that's true because we can prove it. I've got supplements that I lay out in the morning and take all these different vitamins and stuff. Why? Try to keep the blood pressure down. Try to keep the heart strong. Uh, try to keep everything working like it's supposed to work. Why? Because we want more time, more time, more time. It's not about having more time. It's about properly investing the time we've got. Spending it the way we should. You see, it's appointed unto man wants to die. God has already made the appointment and every man's going to make that appointment. I believe there's things you can do to shorten your days. But for me, I want to be healthy because I don't want to spend my last few days in a nursing facility somewhere. I want to be strong right up until the moment the bus runs me over, honey. I mean, I, I want to go out of this world still feeling good. And, and I think that's a natural inclination of man. But you're not going to get any more time past your appointed allotted time. That's why it's important that every day when we get up, we see it as a gift, as another opportunity. We've got so many seconds and minutes to invest and when you're filled with the spirit of God that's how you see it you see that God has given you the gift of another day you see that God has blessed you with another opportunity you've got all these minutes to invest don't waste them live filled with the spirit of God and do something for God redeem the time why because the days are evil when you're filled with the spirit of God the world is suspect when you're filled with the Spirit of God, your time is spent, not wasted. Then let me give you this. When you're filled with the Spirit of God, you're settled on God's will for your life. What the Bible said in verse 17, Wherefore be not, uh, not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now you can't do that unless you're filled with the Spirit of God. When you're filled with the Spirit of God, God will give you an understanding of what the will of the Lord is. There's a lot of people say, well, I just don't know the will of God for my life. There's one answer to that, and that's get filled with the Spirit of God. Yeah, how can I know the will of God for my life? Get filled with the Spirit of God. I've told people this, and I believe it's solid advice. Some of the best time to make life-changing decisions is when the Spirit of God is moving in your life. And I'm telling you, I've gotten around the altar at times, Brother Allen, when I didn't know what to do and the Spirit of God would go to moving in a service and the Spirit of God would fill me and I'd get in an altar and make a life-changing decision and I've never made the wrong one when I made that decision filled up with the Spirit of God. It's when I'm filled with fear or when I'm filled with anger or when I'm filled with anxiety. That's when I make bad decisions. But I've always made good decisions when I do them filled with the Spirit of God. If you want to make good decisions for your life, wait and get filled up with the Spirit of God, then decide on things. That's the best advice that you possibly can get because you can't know what the will of God is unless you're filled with the Spirit of God. Now, it's just like I was preaching the other night. 
We all make decisions. Or the other Sunday, we all make decisions. Sometimes they're made rash. Sometimes emotional. Those hardly ever work out. Hardly ever work out. When you're pushed with fear, when you're angry, that hardly ever works out. But when you allow the Spirit of God to work in your life and you make decisions based upon the will of God for your life, then suddenly everything falls into place. And so to be filled with the Spirit of God is to be settled on the will of God for your life. Then let me say this, to be filled with the Spirit of God, according to verse 19, not only are we settled on the will of God, but we're singing in our hearts. Look what the Bible says. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That is the inside of a person that's been filled up with the Spirit of God. A person that's filled up with the Spirit of God, they're sweet. They're, they've got a song on their lips. They've got joy in their heart. They're not, uh, they're not angry. They're not, they're not bitter. They're not cynical about life. How many people do you know that live miserable lives? Nod your little Baptist head up and down. I tell you, I meet people and I think, I don't know how they do it. They wake up every day of their life in misery. But when you're filled up with the Spirit of God, God puts a song down deep in your heart, a melody to the Lord. And Paul said that you're going to sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord and you're going to have a spiritual song, speaking to yourself in spiritual songs. The things of God are going to dominate your mind. When I'm filled with the Spirit of God like I'm supposed to be, Brother Billy, you know what? The things of God are continually on my mind. I'm continually thinking about some Bible verse. I'm continually humming some song. But when I'm carnal and out of the will of God, I don't have the things of God on my heart or on my mind anymore. I struggle to think. I have to force myself then to think about the things of God. I'm telling you, say, preacher, how can I know if I'm filled with the Spirit of God? What occupies your mind during the day? What occupies your hours? How do you you default to some spiritual song or some worldly song? My friend, are your thoughts filled with the Word of God? That's That's a real good indication that you're filled with the Spirit of God when your thoughts are filled up with the Word of God and the things of God. When you see things happening on the news how do you become afraid or do you immediately see how that God is working things out and God that is being filled with the spirit of God I'm telling you getting filled up with the spirit will make you have a melody in your heart some of you are miserable and you're saved but you're miserable and you don't have to be you don't have to be because when you're filled with the Spirit of God, there ain't nothing much upsets you. Oh, when you're filled with the Spirit of God, life just comes. Things seem to move along. There's a quiet peace and joy in your life that you just can't explain. It comes from being filled with the Spirit of God. He said to speaking to yourselves, making melody in your heart. Speaking to yourselves in hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. That is the attitude of a person that's filled with the Spirit of God. And I'm telling you, walk in the average Baptist church and it ain't camp meeting, it's cramp meeting. Everybody looks like they've been sucking on persimmons all day long. They act like if they smiled, their face would break. They've never had a good day and today's bad and tomorrow don't look good. Everything's gloom and doom. Your average Baptist testimonial service is about corns and bunions and hemorrhoids. Somebody say amen. (laughs) Terrible, terrible. 
But I'm glad to report to you tonight that if you get filled with the Spirit of God, it'll put a smile on your face. It'll put joy in your heart. It'll put a spiritual song in your soul. We're singing in our hearts, according to verse number 19. Now, verse 20 really gets down where the rubber meets the road. Look, not only are we singing in our hearts, but let me say this lastly. We're satisfied with what the Lord has given us. Look at verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe in Hebrews 13, Paul tells them Hebrew Christians to not have a conversation of covetousness, but be satisfied with such things as you have. Did you know that contentment, I'm telling you, listen to me, if you're younger, I can give you something that took me a, long, a lot of years to learn, and I guess I'm still learning it because some days I, don't, I act like I don't know it. But contentment's the secret of life. Being content's the secret of life. You say, well, I'm earning so much money, I'm content. Won't never happen. You'll never be with, uh, content. I don't care how much money you got, you're never content with it. You always want another dollar. I'm going to own enough stuff, I'll be content. You'll never be content. You'll never be content with it. You'll always want another acre of land. You'll, there'll always be another car out there you want. You'll, you'll never be content that way. The only, the trick to life is to learn to be content with such things as you have. That's, that's the secret to life. I was listening yesterday to a podcast. I, was, uh, I guess the day before yesterday, and I was going to the, to the dump and had a podcast on, and this fellow was talking about what kind of business he would start if he wanted to make a million dollars in a year. And I, I tell you, my ears perked up. I thought, whoa, a million dollars in a year. I, there's a banker in Burnsville wants me to get in on a deal like that, a, a million dollars in a year. And I was listening to him, and I said, right up the road, I got thinking, I got thinking, what else would I do if I made a million dollars a year? What else would I do that I'm not doing right now? Uh, you know, you say, well, I know what I'd do about an airplane. I don't know what you might do, but. I tell you, I'm satisfied with where I live. I'm satisfied with where I go to church. I'm satisfied with the friends I have. I'm satisfied with the family God's given me. I'm satisfied with the vehicle I drive. I'm satisfied with the house I live in. I'm satisfied with the clothes I got on my back. I don't know what else I could do that'd make me any more satisfied. You see, learning to be content with what you have is the secret of life. Paul said here, let me ask you something. How much do you complain? I'm going to make a statement right here, and it's going to hit some of you hard. Complaining is a surefire sign that you're not filled with the Spirit of God. When you complain, what you're doing is you're saying, I'm not filled with the Spirit. Because to be filled with the Spirit is to give thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's being filled with the Spirit. Over the years, and I use him as an example a lot, and I could get Josh up here and he could testify about Brother Ellis. I'll say about Ellis Ray, and I tell it everywhere I go, I'm so glad that I got to know that old man of God. Uh, He is not the smartest preacher I ever met. He's not the most well-rounded or able to offer an outline or oratory or give theological discussions. I've met preachers much more able to do that. But he's probably the most filled with the Spirit of God, him and Preacher Beaver. 
are probably the two most filled with the Spirit of God preachers that I've ever known. And let me tell you about both those men. Both of them had very little. They had very little. But you never heard them complain about what they had. You never heard them say, boy, I'd like to have this or I'd like to have... I never heard that. I never heard them say, I wish I had this much money or I wish I had this car. Nothing like that. They were always, on the, on the other hand, no matter what was going on, they were always thankful for it. Now, I remember the first time I ever met Preacher Beaver. He called me and it got me to come up there and preach revival for him. And I sat down next to him on the front pew and he said, you having a good day? I said, yeah. I said, are you? He said, yeah. I went to the doctor today and witnessed one of them nurses over there. And she's a sweet little girl, but she just needs the Lord. And I said, what'd you go to the doctor for? He said, oh, I've got leukemia. I said, leukemia? He's still alive, 98 years old, still alive and kicking. This was 20 years ago. I said, you got leukemia? He said, yeah, the Lord give it to me so I could uh, see uh, some of these people in the hospital and stuff. I I tell you, the Lord's really blessed me with this leukemia. I I have seen more people and got to witness. And he wasn't being facetious. He was being honest. They sent him off to the nursing home. His son went to prison, nobody to take care of him, sent Preacher Beaver off the nursing home. When he got out of the nursing home, I went and sat down with him. I said, Preacher Beaver, are you glad to be home? Yeah, but I like the nursing home. I said, you did? Yeah. He said, I won 13 people to Jesus while I was in the nursing home. He said, them people that go to, he said, everybody in the nursing home's dying. He said, they go to call and send the preacher. He said, I'd go down there and sit next to their bedside. And he said, in just a minute, they were saved and on their way to heaven. Uh, he said, boy, I had me a time down at the nursing home. Uh, you see, that's the attitude of somebody that's filled with the Spirit of God. But I'm going to be honest. How about you? A lot of times I'm dissatisfied with everything. I ain't satisfied with the president. I ain't satisfied with the Congress. I ain't satisfied with the vehicle. I I get dissatisfied, 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 dissatisfied. Oh, there's no no better way to know that you're not filled with the Spirit of God when you're all the time aggravated about something. Do you live a life that's aggravated all the time? Well, get filled with the Spirit of God. It'll make you happy about everything. When you get filled up with the Spirit, you're discontent with everything that happens. God's in control. It'll be all right. That's the attitude I think about Brother Ellis. We'd start across the mountain there on Burleson Hill. I know I've told it a thousand times. That sun had come shining through. He'd take that, he'd take that visor and he'd put it down. And he'd go, mmm, I was about to fuss about that, but thank you, Lord, for the sunshine. Amen. That's just the way he was. He was thankful for things. He, they didn't have a whole lot. He, he wasn't no millionaire. I, I lived on that little mountainside, but he was thankful for everything he had. Why? Because he was filled with the Spirit to God. Did you realize tonight God's been good to you? He has. Did you know tonight that everybody in America is rich in comparison to the majority of the rest of the world? There's people all across this world lives in mud huts. Did you know that you're blessed tonight to have walked in them back doors in the United States of America toting the King James Bible under your arm? You didn't have to hide. 
I read this week where four Christians were sentenced to life in North Korea because they were caught with a Bible. And you know what I read? They said between 50 and 70,000 Christians are in jail right now in North Korea simply for having a Bible in their possession. Between 50 and 70,000 are in a jail cell tonight never to get out simply because they're saved. Here you and I are on a Wednesday night not having to hide, broadcasting it on uh, YouTube, uh, telling everybody we can, got bunches of Bibles, Trey's got no telling how many Bibles. Uh, here we are uh, sitting here tonight uh, uh, free to worship. Uh, I tell you, we ain't got nothing to complain about. Uh, we ought to everyone be ashamed of ourselves uh, and get filled with the Spirit of God and be satisfied with what God's blessed us with. Everlasting one of us. Everlasting one. I thought about some of you have physical ailments. And I realized that the, uh, the United States of America health care is not what it used to be. But I did find out when I was in Scotland, there's people getting on airplanes and coming over here for medical treatment. God allowed you to live in that country that other people are flying to to get treatment. You live here. God allowed you to have, hey, how many of you is going to have either had supper or going to have supper tonight? Y'all thank the Lord for that. How many of you has got a dry place to sleep tonight? Y'all thank the Lord for that. You got food in your cupboards. You got clothes to put on. You got a vehicle to drive. You ought to be thankful. And see, when you get filled with the Spirit of God, you quit focusing on what all you don't have and you start being thankful for what all you do have. God's been good to every one of us. Am I telling it right? God's been good to every last one of us. We ought to be so thankful. Sign of being filled with the Spirit of God is giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Having a thankful heart. So often we get caught in the rut of grumbling. Oh, woe is me. Everything's wrong. There ain't nothing right. Would you do me a favor? Next time when you really get to feeling like that, would you think about some of them Christians that are in a North Korean jail cell just because they had a Bible? And think to yourself, I've got no sad songs to sing. I am one blessed individual. I ought to be thankful. These are the signs of being filled with Spirit. Now, I could deal with them fruits of the Spirit, love, peace, joy, all those different things. I could deal with that, but he deals with them right here in five different ways. Five different ways, signs of being filled with the Spirit of God. Now, a healthy church, that's how they operate. I get up here Sunday and stirred up. I get up here and tell enough tales, have the right songs sung, strum on the right emotional strings, and we could leave out of here saying, boy, what a service. Wouldn't do anybody good. What we need is the Spirit of God. I've asked you to invite people to church on Sunday. God's been saving some folks around here, and I thank God for it. But it won't do anybody any good if we don't have the Spirit of God here we got to have a touch of the Spirit of God. 
That'll only happen if each one of you commit to being filled with the Spirit of God. Am I right? Filled with the Spirit of God. It's hard to get offended. It's hard to hurt your feelings. You feel good about everything. You've got a, you've got a, a song in your heart. You've got a song on your lips. You've got joy in your heart. You're investing in your time. All of those things are happening when you're filled. It all comes natural. You know what the will of God is? All those things come natural when you're filled with the Spirit of God. Wouldn't you say it's worth it to be filled with the Spirit of God? I'd say so. I'd say it's worth it. Wouldn't you say it's needed? Wouldn't you say it's lacking? Yeah. Let's stand our feet. Father.